Hi, folks. Steve Urban here, founder and CEO at recruiting and consulting firm RiderFlex. If you think today's tip or guest interview can help someone you know, please share this with them. And if you enjoy listening to our show, please subscribe to our channel and hit the like button on the episodes. Finally, aside from our podcast, our day job here at RiderFlex is to provide recruiting, staffing, and consulting services. You can visit riderflex.com to learn more about us and get the information on the services we provide. And now, a quick word from our sponsor and friends at Marketing 360. Try the number one marketing platform for small business. Everything you need from design to marketing to CRM. Learn more at marketing360.com. Marketing 360, fuel your brand. Yvette Pagano on the RiderFlex podcast. How are you doing, Yvette? I'm doing great, Steve. Thanks for having me. Oh, thanks for being on. I'm I'm curious to know about your story, and I want to get into Gentech Scientific and all that and what you're doing and cannabis. But uh, before we talk business, I want to know about Yvette, the person. What Talk to me. Where, where you grew up, family, siblings, mom, dad. Give me some background. Sure. Um, so I uh, hail from Western New York State, so Rochester, New York, where I'm born and raised. Um, I am the oldest of four children. So my parents had four kids in five years. So we're all extremely close in age, but I'm uh, the first one. And um, my, uh, my parents, but really my dad, you know, my parents are married, but my, my dad uh, started his own um, business in 1986. It's a okay. machine shop, metal stamping, um, turning, milling, that kind of a thing. Um, so we never moved. Like I was always in the same house, you know, my dad never got transferred or anything. Um, and then I, uh, went to Penn state, um, for college. And then I, uh, worked for the Ford motor company for five years. And then I went to business school and then I moved back to Rochester to take over the family business. Mm. And now I'm a Gentac. So, <laughs> so um, let me ask you, your father, was he, did he, was he a machine shop guy? Like he worked for somebody else and then he's like, okay, I'm going to do my own thing and opened up his own shop. What's the story? There? Yeah. It's kind of like your classic um, family business. So he worked for his dad, my grandpa. Um, I see. So my grandfather, Arthur Rogers, he had a machine, machine and tool shop called Rogers Associates Machine Tool. So okay. my dad started working there when he was 14, um, worked there for about 20 years. And then, you know, family business can be tough. So when he was 35 years old, he started his own shop called Car Engineering and Manufacturing. And what is the CAR? What's the CAR for? It's his initials, Charlie Arthur uh, Rogers. So okay. he did do a little bit in automotive, um, but it was actually, if you have, you know, it was always like, oh, advice for future, you know, entrepreneurs. It's like, well, we named the business in 86 before Google, but um, right. when you're going to name your business, kind of think about that whole element of the internet. <laughs> it was difficult uh, for SEO and such, but um, anyway, so yeah, Charles Arthur Rogers. I see. I see. Did he, uh, what him and him and his dad, they kind of, what they get into it? And he's like, dad, I'm gonna start my own thing. And then grandpa continued with his business. So when you were growing up, your grandpa had a machine business and your dad had one, they both had one when you were a kid. Yeah. That's a really wow. good question. And the answer is yes. Um, but my grandfather, he was more of a special machine builder. So, okay. you know, he had customers like Harrison radiator, you know, general motors. And so 
those guys would build, you know, a million dollar machine and sell mm. it to General Motors, you know, to insert, you know, some, some kind of mechanical type see. thing. My father also in machining, um, but he really liked the production. So okay. he really liked making parts, you know, over and over again and more the machining side. So at one point, um, uh, Rogers Associates was actually a customer of car engineering. We sold them some parts uh, for, for something they were doing. So it was, it was like industries, but we weren't really like going at each other for the same business. Oh, okay. Okay. All right. And so did all siblings work in the business at some point, all four? Well, we've all d- done some time there. I think if you're in a family business, you know, you kind of <laughs> can't get out of it. But um, so myself, you know, I worked there for 12 years. Um, wow. I have my next brother, his name's Arthur. He's a professional chef. Um, he has his own restaurant. So he did a little like high school sweep the floor stuff, but he didn't really get into <laughs> it. Um, my other brother, Alex Alexander, he's still working in the business. Um, so he uh, okay. kind of went all okay. the way, um, okay. started as an apprentice, you know, worked his way up through management that way. And um, then my sister, uh, she's actually a nurse and lives in California, but out of all okay. four of us, she's probably the most mechanically inclined. Really? Um, so, yeah. So she definitely was on the machines, you know, in high school and part time and, and is a pretty good little production worker. Um, okay. Just being okay. Mechanically. So we've all we've all been in and out. But myself and my brother, you know, we did the, the long haul. <laughs> yeah, you did 12 years. Then now you, you, you got into Penn State, which is, you know, it's not easy to get into. Congratulations. Got your bachelor's of Penn State. I bet that was fun, huh? Yeah. Oh, that was amazing. Yes, yes. So I'm like a lifetime member of the Penn State Alumni Association. Uh, okay. I feel like my life is better because I attended Penn State. So yeah, shout out to Penn State. Very cool. Now, were you like super conservative in high school and then you went wild in college or vice versa? What g- give me the give me the youth story there. When, when did it when did a vet just go did did a vet ever go nuts or was she just like all oh, at the library every day? And what, 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 what's the story? <laughs> I, I kind of consider myself like a chameleon, you know, and I kind of try to walk that line of sort of being friends with everybody and kind of enjoying everything. So, you know, when high school, I mean, I took all the AP classes, you know, I was a good student. Um, but yeah, I mean, I was an athlete and, and a partier. Um, so okay. I right. played tennis, I did downhill skiing. And yeah, I mean, I, you know, went to my first, I think it was Jerry Garcia band concert when I was 15. Um, so I've always, you know, like music's concerts and yeah, very social person. So I hey, tried to feel get, a little any, bit everything. Any, any major trouble? Ever, ever get any major trouble when you were young? Like, you know, do you, you have to call dad from the police department and get you out or anything? Anything fun? So I guess I, honesty is the best policy in business and in life. So uh, when I was at Penn State, um, I was, uh, smoking cannabis, um, in my dorm room okay. and this, um, now, now, for, for the, for the listeners, this is in 90, like 95, 96. So yeah, you know, you're having to like put little towels on the bottom of the door, yes. and try to, you know, open the window, blow the smoke yes. out the window. All, all the- <laughs> yes. Yes. And so they okay. had a charming policy where they actually, if they smelled cannabis, they called the authorities. Okay. So it's like Sunday night, you know, me and my roommate, my boyfriend at the time were sitting around watching TV and knock, knock. And yeah, it was a, it was a police officer and I wow. was, I wasn't arrested, but I was uh, charged um, with like a, like a, like a fine. Pose- okay. I, I, I had to go to court. Um, my wow. father did come down from New York and, and was there with me in court. And I did, <laughs> I did have to pay a fine. Um, and I think I was on probation for a couple of months. 
I was going to say, did you, I was going to say, did you get kicked out of the dorms? No, I didn't get kicked out of the dorms. Um, so (laughs) yeah. What'd your dad dad say? Was your dad cool about it? Or was he like, what the hell are you doing? I mean, he, he just said, you know, my, my dad took some classes at RIT and stuff, but you know, neither of my parents, um, you know, have like a four-year degree or anything and I'm the oldest. And so he said, listen, you know, you going to Penn state, you know, it's, it's special for you, but it's special for your mom and I, and, mm-hmm. and we're not really that upset about the cannabis, but we're a little mm-hmm. disappointed you got caught and, you know, mm-hmm. you need to be responsible and, and represent this family well, because this is a nice mm-hmm. opportunity for you. And so it wasn't really like the condemning of the cannabis use per se, but more like, yeah, we're a little disappointed and I got you. want you to blow yeah. this nice opportunity. For yeah. Us. Yeah. Yeah. For, Cause for him, you know, his oldest kid is in Penn state and he didn't go to college. Yeah. That's a big deal. Yeah. I can, I totally yeah. understand your folks, your folks still alive. Yep. Oh yeah. Yeah. Alive and kicking. So right. um, still married. Did, yep. They're still married. Yep. Yep. Yeah. Wow. So yeah, wow. they got married. How, how, I think they were 22 and maybe 23. So they've been married a really long time. Yeah. Congratulations. Yeah. Congratulations to them. If they listen to this episode, congrats. <laughs> uh, and they're still living in the same house you grew up in. No, 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 no. So um, we grew up in this as a Northfield gate. Like I was there like through senior year in high school. And then okay. the business started doing really well. Um, so then when I was in college, they moved into this like mega house that I like never really got to <laughs> experience. So my sister's like loving it. And so they had that house, I think for like 11 years and, and then they sold. Um, so they've got a, like a condominium in, in Rochester is like right on the canal. And uh, then okay. they own a home in Naples, Florida. So they spend, um, six Very months and nice. one day in Florida. So they're those, they're those guys. Now, nah, hey, very nice. I totally get it. Naples is great, especially if you go down yeah. in January and February. So totally get it. Good for them. Congrats. Yeah. Congrats to yeah. your parents. Uh, how about you? Are you married, kids, partners? What's your what's your situation? Yep. Yep. So I'm um, married uh, to Mark uh, with a C, Pagano. So um, right. we actually knew each other in middle school, believe it or not. <laughs> what? Um, yeah. Wow. Well, now, yeah. was there any fooling around, any fooling around, holding hands, kissing in the middle school? What? You know, it's funny, not not really, like there was this um, seventh grade trip to Washington. So we all (laughs) went to Washington, D.C. in seventh grade and we had a little bit of an interaction on the bus. And I was like, oh, he seems like this cool guy, you know, and and then I remember we went off and looked at the Lincoln Memorial. We got back on the bus and it was like, oh, Mark Pagano is going out with Beth Fink. And I was like, oh, okay. So you know how it is in middle school. So I'm like, easy come, easy go. Um, and then we went to separate high schools and that was sort of before Facebook and all that. And okay. and so okay. then I moved back home and he had recently also moved back home. And after and, college, um, after college. Yes. So, so, both of, yeah. so oh, what, 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 what are you like at your, your folks house and your mom and dad's like, hey, uh, Mark's back in town. Uh, sort was- of. <laughs> sort of. So I he had moved back, I think, in 2004 and I moved back in 2006. Uh-huh. And um, he's now a stay at home spouse. But his uh, before all that happened, he's a professional photographer. So oh. he had a studio and a lab and my mom was one of his customers. Yeah, oh. my brother was uh had just recently gotten engaged and so i moved home and then my mom's like hey i'm recommending this wedding <laughs> photographer mark pagano and, and my brother said you want to come and check out the photographer so i went with him more to be like uber supportive of the wedding and marriage uh, than, you know uh, try, just trying to be like helpful and 
So the three of us, my brother, his uh, now ex-wife, um, and uh, I went in and uh, they hired him as the photographer. And Mark's like, hey, if you ever want to, you know, I know you just moved back. If you want to go out sometime and show you the city. And- <laughs> I love it. So, you know, yeah. I'm, I, I, for, the, for the listeners, by the way, we're recording this on December 7th, 2021. December 7th, Christmas, right around the corner. Very. By the way, your story is very similar. I'm sure you know to uh, "It's a Wonderful Life," right? Where the where the mom is telling uh, uh, what's his name, the old guy. The, what's the actor in a wonder? It's a Wonderful Life. Oh, it's anyway, a Jimmy Stewart. Yeah, yeah, Jimmy Stewart. The mom's telling Jimmy Stewart, like, "Hey, Mary's back in town from college. You should go yeah. over there." Take <laughs> it out. Yeah. Very nice. Yeah. Okay. So, very very so, cool. Very. So cool. I better plug. We do have two kids, so I better plug them so they don't feel All left right. out. So yeah. So we have two daughters, um, okay. 10 and well, almost 11. She's actually Christmas birthday um, cool. and eight years old. So I have two, two beautiful daughters with Mark and um, nice. that's our little family. All right. All right. Very good. Well, I appreciate you sharing some of that background. You know, your personal family history and all that, it really, you know, a lot of that, of course, shapes who you are as a professional. And so I love being able to ask all those questions on the Rider Flex podcast. You know, it's interesting as a recruiting firm, which is our day job at Rider Flex, you know, if I'm interviewing somebody as, as a candidate, I can't ask them any of those personal questions, right? Because yeah. you can't do that, right? But on the Brighter Flex podcast, I can ask whatever I want, which I love. I know, it's <laughs> fun, right? Yeah. Um, okay, so you worked in the business for 12 years, and then what, did your dad sell it, or you just wanted out? Walk, walk us into your career there, you know, after you did the 12 years, walk us through the through your career and transition after that. Go for it. So, um, yeah, I worked there for 12 years. Um, the succession plan was, you know, I was going to buy, buy the business and, okay. and, and take okay. it over. Okay. That um, was the plan. Okay. That was the plan. And, right. um, so that's, that's basically what I did. So I was president for a long time. Then I assumed the CEO role. Um, my father retired. Okay. Um, it was, you know, it's a family deal. So sort of in, inside, you know, kind of a leveraged buyout, if you will. Okay. Um, and family businesses can be tough, you know, they mm-hmm. can be challenging. Yep. Um, and, uh, and it, and it was, um, so I got my brother in there. I got my dad who's retired. I've got myself, there's a non-family member involved and, um, you know, their risk appetite and my risk appetite were a little bit uh, different. Okay. And, um, so it was sort of hit an inflection point. And, um, I said, you know, th- option a you know kind of restructure this i said or option b if you guys want to you know make me an offer and sell my shares and i'll um you know see what else is available and um so uh they went you know with option b um but it was it was a really kind considerate and like loving exit you know so i have my attorney and he's like listen he's like if you get a b and c you know you sign this thing and they came with an offer offer excuse me and they're like a b c and d and so my attorney's like sign it i'm like okay um so no counter you know 90 days later um you know i was released from all my personal guarantees and had had sold my shares and um my brother and the uh, non-family member they took on a larger responsibility role um and so now those two are running the company and i'm i'm um out of car and um, I always tell people, you know, the deal closed and, uh, you know, a week later, my daughter had a birthday party and everybody showed up and happy birthday. And, you know, so it, it, it was, um, it wasn't, it was an okay um, 
exit, well, that's, if you will. Yeah, which is unusual. Yeah, yes. though, to totally. I was going to say congrats to your brother and your family and you to get through that in a clean fashion and not have any scars from it. Because you're right, so often that does not go well. What about what about your dad's ownership? Is he, is he does he own any pieces of the company anymore or, or no? No, I mean he no. holds all the paper. You know what I mean. So he's sort of like the bank, if you will. So he certainly has involvement, <laughs> influence, etc. But um, in terms of ownership, it's my brother and and Brian Rumsey are the two okay. two okay. owners, and then my dad is the um, holds holds some. And you guys, you yeah. guys can still get together for Thanksgiving, and everything's fine. That's right. Yes. Yeah. So that's, that's <laughs> kind of why I did what I did when I did. You know, I didn't want to be like, you know, I'll pass the mashed potatoes, and you owe me a million dollars. You know, so <laughs> it's like, hey, let's just get out when everybody's, you know, yeah, there's, there's still you. some margin there, and everybody's feeling good about it, and so. All um, right. And you then, know, I was and then, excited. Yeah. And then what? You took some time off. You, you traveled, you chilled off. out. Tell, yeah. Tell me about that. <laughs> took some time off and traveled and chilled out. So, cool. um, you know, I did, I did well enough on the sale that I wasn't looking to necessarily get a job, you know, the next week to pay my mortgage for stress yeah. for money. Mm -hmm. Um, mm -hmm. but I knew I had to, you know, eventually, um, get back in the working world. Like I didn't do good enough on the sale, but it's like, I'm retired, you know, okay. I've got no other um, mm -hmm. need for income. Right. So I was trying to, trying to like walk that line. And so, yeah, I took about a year off. Um, I love nice. skiing and uh, I love tennis, uh, and, and paddle tennis and pickleball. I love like racket sports. So I was like custom of the year at, you know, tennis club of Rochester and, um, <laughs> you know, skiing quite a bit and doing all that kind of stuff, tons of travel. Um, and nice. so, yeah, I did that for, you know, maybe eight, nine months. And, and then, um, I, uh, reached out to like a professional resume writer. So I'm like, I just want to have something sort of like ready to go. You know what okay. I mean? Like I've okay. owned this business, yeah. you know, so I haven't um, had a resume in a long time. Right. Right. You probably never some... eat. Right. No, <laughs> you know, no. Yeah. Yeah. So oh. I figured, well, let me just have some, you know, so I'm going to start and do some professional networking. And if someone says, well, do you have a CV or resume? You know, I want to have something. Okay. And so um, I reached out to this gentleman who came recommended and so he said, this is your homework. He said, you go home, you type in like your ideal job on LinkedIn. He goes, you go search around on LinkedIn for like your perfect job. And he's like, you send me like three or four of those. And then I'll help curtail this resume to sort of meet, you know, your, your hmm. job needs. Good okay. idea. I like that. So I do that and I find a position in Canada um, it was like president of a cannabis infused beverage company. Okay. Now let's, let's, like, stop yeah. right, let, let, let's, let's stop right there. Why were you targeting cannabis? How, how did the target for cannabis come into play right there? I just want to, want to make sure I pick up on that. It was, a, it was a little bit of both. Um, like I were only, um, I mean, I'm up in Buffalo now, but you know, I live in Rochester. So, I mean, we're like an hour from the Canadian border mm -hmm. and this was kind of during like the Brett Kavanaugh hearings. And I'm just like, I'm out of here. You know, I was sort of was like, people always say like, we're moving to Canada, but I'm like, I could actually do it. You know what I mean? I'm like, we're close. <laughs> we did a lot of business in Canada, car engineering. So I'm like, I know people in manufacturing, like I'm, they want me, you know what I mean? I got the mm. two young, healthy kids. I'm like, eh, maybe we'll move to Canada. So part of it was like legitimately being interested in potentially moving to Canada. Okay. Um, so um, I think it was, I was more, I had my, my settings on 
Canada um, versus cannabis. And, all right, and, and were you, and were you and your husband cannabis uh, fans? I mean, you you were yes. you are you were you had you always been like, hey, cannabis is yes. fine with us, and we're we're recreational or medicinal users or, or whatever. It was fine with your family. Or you talk to me about so, that if you don't mind sharing. Yeah. So um, I, yeah, at least I'm trying to be you know, more authentic and. Um, honest about you know my lifestyle and stuff like that so my husband and I are cannabis super fans super okay. fans super users like okay. very okay. very um, interested in cannabis gotcha. um, no medical um, yeah. no medical problems we're both healthy normal people who, who like to use cannabis yeah so um, cannabis so cannabis in Canada together and 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 then based and tie that into what your skill set was from when you were a car. That was that was where you were targeting. Okay, okay, I got yeah. it. Yeah, all right. Yeah. Good. So I see this. So so basically, then the so then sort of the light bulb went on. You know, for cannabis. So I like see this job. I'm like, oh, cannabis, and I'm like, mm-hmm. you can get a job in cannabis. I love cannabis. Like, cool. Like, this You're is like, it. Cool. <laughs> this is it. I'm like, boom, drop the mic, you know? So I'm like, uh, I, and, and then I just kept feeling like, well, maybe I won this, the life lottery, you know, like yeah. here you are, you're in this machine shop, you're in Rochester, you know, you never think you're going to go anywhere new, do anything different, you know, Hey, maybe we'll acquire another machine shop, you know, but it wasn't like these, these big lofty goals, you know? And then all of a sudden this, this door opened and it was like, cool. here's this, you know, market that you know you're so passionate about and and like you can play like you can get in now and so then that kind of became my mission is just Mm. figuring out Mm. somehow some way how can I transition into the cannabis industry Mm -hmm. who's gonna Mm -hmm. who's gonna let me do this you know how can can I convince somebody to let me work in cannabis so that really became my why um, and my whole push was, was, you know, I didn't care about title necessarily salary location. I'm like, I want to be in cannabis. Like that gotcha. was my, uh, so I just kept, you know, pushing that as hard as I could. Um, I had some early success COVID, you know, it's just a little journey in there and, you know, now I'm at Gentech, but yeah, that was really it. So it was just sort of started out as an assignment. And then I, that light bulb went on and, and then it, it took it. me a while to be succinct about it. Like, Anybody who really knows me, who's like in my inner circle, I'm like, mm-hmm. I want to get into cannabis or like, of course, you know, it's like no brainer, no question. Like it was just instant understanding, but then everybody else is like, well, why, why cannabis, you know, and then trying to articulate, um, a good statement to give the impression that I'm a professional person, you know, I'm somebody you want to hire. I'm yep. Yep. Know, part of the A team here. Right. But also. <laughs> you know being a super fan of cannabis and so i i really struggled with that um during my career search how was your uh were your folks okay like they, did you tell them what your plan was your mom not and dad really. were they cool? they're, they're like hey whatever they're cool but they're not i mean they're they're not like cannabis super fans um they're not haters um i don't think they really use uh cannabis um so they're they're like benign about it. If you, you go know? to your if you go to your mom's house for Thanksgiving, do you have to like go out on the back porch and kind of just you know with a little? Do you have to? <laughs> no, I I just get high before I show up. <laughs> <laughs> and what about what about your daughters? Like like what what's the? Uh, I think this is a really great question and good for the listeners. What's your advice and counsel to parents who want to be recreational users 
and they have a seven, eight, nine, ten year old at home. What do you tell them? How do you share it with them? What do you, what's your advice? Go for it. It's a really good question. It's something I've really struggled with. Um, so I uh, do not currently, nor do my husband, um, consume cannabis in front of or around our daughters. Okay. Um, more that um, like in school, they've really like drilled into them that like smoking anything is bad, right? Okay. So the whole mm -hmm. like smoking thing is is part of it, you know, that, that they've got this really negative association with smoking cigarettes and not, neither mm. my husband or I smoke cigarettes. So, okay. and they're young and it's still illegal, um, in New York state. And, mm -hmm. you know, I am a mom, so I don't want like, Hey, we're invite, you know, so-and-so over for a play date. And then it's like, Oh, well, the, that mom uses drugs. And, and so I, I have been, um, kind of shield, shielding them, if you will, from, we have a big house, so it's, it's pretty easy to like hide out um, from the kids, but my, <laughs> I have thought about this, um, and, um, I am, you know, prepared to speak to them about it. And I think once, um, New York state, uh, legalizes for adult use, then I think you have the conversation with them and you say, you know, just, just like alcohol and coffee and, and cigarettes, mm -hmm. you know, this is mm -hmm. something that grownups do. And, um, if you're, you know, 21 and, and you can, you know, be responsible and, and, you know, want, want to, want to try this. And this is, this is something that, that is, you know, available if you will, but, um, right now they, we're still being kind of secret. <laughs> <laughs> so they don't know you smoke now. They don't know. And there's been no conversations like your 10 year old, your 11 year old hadn't said, mom, you used to, you, 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 you know, I found some cannabis. Your 11 year old has not. Now, what happens if your 11 year old sees this podcast and then all of a sudden her and her friends are at school and you, they're like, your mom is so cool. Did you see this podcast episode? What happens then? <laughs> I don't know. I mean, it's, it's something that we need to address. I mean, it's a real issue, right? So yeah. I mean, yeah. you're kind of, kind of calling me out. I mean, it's like, I want to be authentic. <laughs> I want to stand for cannabis. I want to stand for destigmatization, but yet I have been a little shy um about you know interacting with it around around my daughters um and it's, it's funny I was talking yeah. I was talking to this one guy in California and he's a a big cannabis user and he has kids and um we were at our at his house and we were smoking cannabis and I was like oh your kids and he's like he's like let me ask you he goes go ahead and smoke it in front of my kids and he goes let me ask you something he goes you have your daughters I said yeah I said would you want your daughters in a room uh, with a bunch of uh, drunk people, or would you want your daughters in a room with a bunch of stone people? Mm -hmm. And I said, definitely with a bunch of stone people. Oh, yeah. And, and, but, but still, um, I have no problem consuming <laughs> alcohol in front of them, but I'm, I'm not quite, quite there yet with the cannabis. <laughs> Isn't that interesting how people will light up a cigarette or they'll pour, they'll pour a drink in front of their kids? but they're still nervous about lighting up marijuana in front of their kids. You know, I think, I think it's because of, you know, just our past and how we were raised and how old we are and, you know, the stigma around it. I think it's still all that, you know, I think mm -hmm. uh, I, I found it, you know, I live in Colorado, so it's a lot, a lot more open and free here and we don't have to worry about things and hell. I mean, probably 70% of the people that live in Colorado smoke some, you know, Sure. Yeah. Anyway, but I found it very interesting when I smoked the first time with one of my 20 year old sons uh, on the back porch. I still like still. Right. Like even I was 50 years old and 
they're in their mid twenties and we smoke together and I still kind of like, oh, this is kind of weird. Like, I don't know. I don't know if I'm comfortable like doing this with my yeah. kid, you know, it's so yeah. odd. Dude. Like it takes a while to just kind of uh, break the whole thought process that, you know, uh, so I, I know it's very challenging. Okay. Well, I really appreciate you sharing all that with me. I think a lot of people listening to this episode struggle with exactly uh, uh what we're talking about with with what we're talking about here i think people struggle with it i think a lot of adults consume cannabis in some way in some fashion sometimes just special occasions sometimes daily whatever i think they do a consumer consume it i think a lot of them have nine-year-olds and they're like doing the same thing you're doing going okay how do i share this when do i share it well blah 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 so Appreciate your, your, your conviction around it and appreciate you sharing. Okay. So you move into what you really want to be doing. You're you're tied to all of your passions, which I think is fantastic. How do you find Gentech scientific? How does that come about? You've been there since I think April of 2021, you're the chief commercial officer. And by the way, for the listeners, it is gentechscientific.com. Um, in case I didn't mention it, Yvette Pagano can also be found on LinkedIn. You can connect with her there and uh, learn more about her. But anyway, how did you find Gentech and tell us about Gentech and what they do? Okay, Gentech is awesome. And this is the best job I've ever had in my life. And I love it. So shout out to Gentech. I'm so awesome. happy here. Great. It's a great, great, great company. Um, so that is first and foremost. Um, so again, I was working with some people, um, in Toronto, um, on the cannabis side, Lauren Gertner, a mentor of mine. So traveling with Lauren, doing that kind of stuff. And then, um, a COVID. So there was, we had, you know, plans to, um, you know, help raise money for a, a restaurant that was opening in LA. I mean, all this stuff that just like, just stopped. Right. And so I um, had to pivot uh, to, to figure out what I was doing. And so what I did is I set, I set my LinkedIn to tell me about any job in cannabis worldwide. Any job in cannabis worldwide, I want to know about it, right? Okay. Okay. So that was sort of how I, so I saw this thing for uh, cannabis in Arcade, New York. And I'm like, what is this? So, you know, I'm clicking around. And they're looking for like a sales and marketing director. I'm like, okay. Um, and Arcade is like in the middle of nowhere. So I just assumed it was some type of grow, some kind of grow operation. Okay. Just because it's such a rural community. Um, and then I, you know, started clicking around and I'm like, this is like science equipment. And I'm like, what is going on? You know, so I, I apply, apply for the position um, get, you know, an interview, um, over zoom. And, um, then they're like, okay, you know, want to, you know, bring you in, you know, to arcade. So it's about an hour and a half drive from Rochester. So honestly, it was like, well, I, there's no way I'm moving to arcade, you know, let me just <laughs> see what's going on. Cause I'm so like networked in the community. I'm like, well, the worst thing is like, you just see what they have, see what they're doing. Like, Maybe you could consult with them, like just get in there and like look around, you know? So I show up for this interview. I'm telling you, Steve, like 
halfway through the interview, I'm like, I'm, I'm working here somehow, some way I am working at this place. Like I have never seen more of a good to great situation, like in my life. Nice. My dad, the culture, the, the, the people, the the vibe, it was everything, everything. But, um, they're doing, they've been in business for 25 years. They do so many things, right. They've got a great reputation, like all these smart technicians, Mm, but mm. it's like, Mm. there's just, you know, I mean, they were doing their, you know, they have this like binder, you know, with the sales and they flip to the next, you know, and now we have a whole new CRM implemented. We were on HubSpot and, but I mean, there's just so much potential there. And I just kept being like, you know, these guys are having a million dollar month. They're not even trying. They're not even trying. And they're doing, you know, I'm like, yeah, once we do all this stuff. so it was just so exciting. Um, and, you know, they're industry agnostic. So about 25% of our business is cannabis, hemp, and actually psychedelic startup okay. labs. Okay. And, and when did sector. they, when, when did they enter, when did they start grabbing that as uh, diversifying? They probably as early as like 2014. Okay. So the, the previous owner, you know, he sold the private equity. So Gentech is owned, owned by Lakeland Capital. I so I, I, I invested with the PE guys and it's kind of more my journey, how I got to where I am. In this uh, job. Oh, oh, so you're, so you're an investor in the PE firm that owns Gentech. Yeah. Ah, gotcha. I gotcha. I gotcha. Okay. So you're not only the chief commercial officer, but you own part of the company basically. <laughs> basically. Yes. Yep. Yep. Okay, so that was one good. of my big criteria. Um, it, you know, cause I did, I did try to get into cannabis initially by being an accredited investor. So mm-hmm. I'm like, okay, I can, you know, buy a board seat or buy mm-hmm. some kind of, you know, mm-hmm. that was really, that was really how I tried to do it. Gotcha. Um, uh, and that, and those, those, those went okay. Um, I did not get the board seats or the strategic advisor roles. I thought I would after I made some investments. So that was a little disappointing. Um, yeah. But my big criteria was like, I want to bet on myself. I know I'm a winner. I know I'm a moneymaker. I'm like, mm-hmm. I just, I want to bet on myself. So I'm right. like, I just I don't want to either give people money and cross my fingers. And I don't necessarily want to work my butt mm-hmm. off for a salary. I'm like, I want to bet on myself. So being able to do that was really the, you know, the, the end all be all for, for gotcha. this position. Oh, okay. And uh, so now you roll up to who the CEO of Gentech. I mean, I guess, is that so you report to the CEO there, but you're also yeah. are you on the board and, and are you on the board? No, I mean, I, I probably could be. So I'm not officially on the board. No. So the CEO, his name's Mike Lippa. He's the greatest guy. He, we get along so well. Awesome. Um, and he had worked uh, for Lakelet Capital in, in a previous oh, business. So he's I done see. a, he's done see. a successful exit for them. So they oh, okay. knew what they were getting. So Lakelet basically you. grabbed Mike and said, Hey, we have this opportunity with Gentech. Will you come on? Oh, okay. Now I see. Uh, uh, and I see. then they brought me on. And, and so we're both um, great. Yeah. I mean, Mike, Mike's technically my boss, but we, we work really, really mm-hmm. well together and like all the stuff he wants to do. I'm not overly interested in and like all the stuff I like love to do. Great. He's not overly interested in. That, that's so great. We, that's great. Yeah. We check how, and balance each other. How long has the PE firm been in? How long? Cause I know most of them. July of 2020. Okay. So, so it hasn't right. been too long. Yup. So uh, they brought uh, Mike in kind uh, of right away and, and then they had another guy in the role I'm in and, 
he didn't work out and, and then they brought me in and now I'm okay. That's, uh, That's very, very, very good. Let's go back. I, cause I got you off track. Um, layman's terms quickly elevator pitch. What does Gentech do specifically? What do they do? Yeah, go for it. Okay. So what Gentech does is they sell refurbished analytical lab equipment. Okay. So the biggest, the, so they're in every industry, our biggest customer base, like by aggregate, if you will, are universities worldwide and research centers. But we're literally in every industry, pharma, oil and gas, cannabis, ag. And so the equipment that we have is done for uh, testing and research. So um, almost like a, they hate it when I use this analogy, but I'm from the car business. So almost, almost like a used car dealership. So if you're trying to test uh, for pesticides, you, you, would, you would buy science equipment, you'd probably need a, um, a, a, like an LC triple quad, right? So that, that machine, you could use that to, to test for pesticides in anything, in cannabis, okay. in milk, okay. in cherries. <clears throat> and so there's these different science manufacturers that make this equipment. So the most popular one is Agilent. So Agilent makes science equipment. Shimatsu makes science equipment. Cyax, Kirk and Elmer, Waters, um, Thermo Fisher. So they make this various types of science equipment. Gentech is in chromography science equipment. And so what they do is they procure this equipment on the open market. So they find labs that are closing and they buy all the equipment inside the lab. They've got mm -hmm. brokers who look for, you know, stuff on the open market. We buy internationally. So we just got a bunch of stuff in from Spain the other day. Um, and so also our customers can trade in, trade up. So we're uh -huh. constantly getting, yep. So people trade. So we're constantly getting used equipment in for, through various I means. See. I see. Then we've got all these extremely smart technicians. So we've got like 16 technicians. So then we restore the equipment to the OEM standard. So okay. we get it working. And then again, it's big, expensive science equipment. So we'll run, you know, data reports and we'll be able to show that the machine is, you know, performing at the, at the mm -hmm. OEM level. So mm -hmm. we, we do whatever we need to do to get it there. Um, and then we sell it. And so the, um, if you were to get, you know, let's say you do a cannabis testing lab and you want to get agile and stuff and you've got to be able to do like six major tests, um, you know, in the States to be an accredited lab. So you have to do potency, pesticides, mycotoxins, you know, mold, terpenes, potency. So you've got all these tests you're required to do. And so you go out to Agilent and you're like, I need the science equipment to do these tests. It would be $1.2 million and it would be amazing stuff and it would work great. Um, you could come to Gentech, you could get Agilent. Instead of getting like a 1260 Agilent, you know, for potency for a hundred grand, you could get a 1200 Agilent for potency. Maybe it was used by University of Maryland for a few years, but whatever, it's a 2017. You could get that machine for around 22,000. Mm. So if you were to go all in with a complete lab from Gentech, you'd be under 400K. 
Mm -hmm. um, okay. We've done okay. people as low as 250. So it's essentially 70% off of new. I see. Okay. So if I'm starting a cannabis lab in Colorado and I need equipment, I, I can call Gentech and basically get refurbished equipment for, for, for a lot cheaper. Okay. Very yes. good. Yes. I so see. That's, and, I see. Yep, that's it. So that's the, so that's it is, is, is buying the equipment, refurbishing okay. it and selling it. And then the other huge part of our business is service. So mm. I always am, you know, making jokes um, uh, to, you know, potential customers. And I'm like, Oh, I'm like, when you're, your machine's out of warranty and Agilent doesn't want to work on it anymore. You're, you can't get parts for your thermo and they won't call you back. I said, you call your friends at Gentac. I said, we'll work on your machine. We'll service it. We'll preventive maintenance it. Ah. Even if you didn't buy it from us, even if it's out of warranty. Oh. Oh. So we handle like big service contracts. Like we've got ah. Roswell cancer, which is right ah. outside of Buffalo. So we take care of all their analytical instruments, even the ones they didn't buy from Gentac. So, wow. so we're sales and we're service. Do you um, service across the country? What if, what if, what if you, yeah. do you have like, do you have technicians in Colorado that you can just send out? Uh, we have um, a sister company in California. Um, but uh, we, um, we do installs all over the United States and Canada. Okay. So you, you buy the equipment and then if you purchase an install, we refurbish the equipment here at Gentech. We mail the equipment uh, to your facility. We schedule a technician. The technician comes in. He unpacks the equipment. Most likely, he's the one that refurbished it here in Arcade. And ah. then he, he sets it up for you, um, gets the machine okay. running, provides training. And then we also warranty um, anything that we sell. Um, so even though it's used, if it does break or have a problem, we'll come out and fix it. Nice. Uh, how big is the company? I don't, it's probably, I mean, it's private, so you can't share revenue, but just how many employees? How about that? Can you tell us how big, yep, how big yeah, it is? Yeah, there's uh, 20, 25 employees. Okay. Um, and okay. Uh, yeah, yeah. Does that include, uh, would you use, do you use 1099 contractors for service technicians no, or their employees? Nope, okay. nope, nope. Okay. They're all employees. And I mean, I'm, anybody listening, we've got the best tax. So we take, um, <laughs> we take like X OEM. So we've got a guy who worked for Shimatsu uh, okay. for nine years and, right. and, uh, and a couple of our techs, they, a lot of them have degrees. So one of our best techs, you know, he's got a, a chemistry degree from university of Buffalo. A lot of them have ele electrician degrees. So these guys are, are smart and, um, Very we don't good. break it down by brand. We break it down by system. So it's like, We've got a couple guys who are really good at GCs, you know, gas chromography, and then we've got our mass spec guys, you know, so we kind of break them by their specialty, not by the brand. I got you. And do you oversee all sales and marketing for the company? Yes. Okay, very good. Yeah, it sounds like you love it. I love your energy, by the way. Your energy Thank around you. the, the the company and uh, the industry is fantastic. Um, let me uh, let's let's roll into some. Uh, summary questions here and some advice for the listeners. I appreciate that that overview of Gentech. And by the way, just one more time, GentechScientific.com. And I have What's to do one more plug. So anybody oh. out there, if you've got lab equipment you do not want, we are always buying. So please reach out if you're selling or if you know somebody um, cool. that has uh, analytical lab equipment, we're always looking to buy. Plus Yvette, you can talk to Yvette. And if you get to talk to Yvette, it's fun because he's super energetic. Yeah, you love that. <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> um, a couple of things here I want to ask you. What, what would you say to, 
I know that you're not in like you're not working for a grow operation, so you're you're tied to the cannabis industry to a certain degree. So I want to go ahead and ask you. Sure. What advice would you give an executive that wants to get into cannabis? Um, they're they're thinking about making the move, but they're nervous or whatever. They're worried about it. Maybe they've worked for Coca Cola for twenty years and they want to get into cannabis. What would you tell them? I mean, I would say go for it. Um, I mean, I think you know, you and I are sitting here having a professional conversation. I mean, I think a, a lot of a lot of that stigma is gone. I mean, for me, it was just it's hard to get into the cannabis industry at, at a C-suite level if you don't have any prior experience in the cannabis industry. And it's like this weird um, like loophole or we're catch 22, if you will, you know, cause I remember I'm like going out and I'm like, but I know how to make money in a, in a commoditized environment. It can't be that much different. You know, I, I know how to make money in a highly commoditized environment. And people are like, but what experience do you have with cannabis? And it's like, we can put on your resume or I, I like to smoke it. You know, it was so tough. Um, and so I would say my advice for somebody who wants to who specifically want to get into cannabis you got to find some part of that, of that value chain in cannabis that you can, you can play in. So like, if you work for Coca-Cola, like, what did you do? Were you an accountant? Well then try to get in an accounting, you know what I mean? Mm -hmm. Oh, you ran, you ran a plant. Well then maybe you're better off going in and, and seeing if you can help in a grow. So I think the I think cannabis is hot and sexy and trendy and everybody wants to be in cannabis. So it's like, it, it, for me, my advice is, you know, the industry needs good people. So you got to figure out what you're good at already and mm. how can you scale that? Or, or, you know, if you're trying to get into cannabis with no experience, you got to tell cannabis, what, this is what I can do for you. Um, mm -hmm. This is the skill sets I can bring to this industry and, and, and I'm adaptable and I can, I can make money in this industry. So that's my advice. Okay. Um, okay. Very good. How about this? Advice for somebody that grew up in a family business, their dad or their grandpa or whatever, they owned a business. So they kind of grew up in it, right? They worked in it in high school, maybe in college, maybe after college. Uh, they ended up becoming an executive in the, in the family business. Sound familiar? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, and then they want to transition out, but they start interviewing and companies look at them and they go okay well you know she's only worked for the family business she, she you know she how's she going to change adapt she's not used to different environments cultures she only grew up in that one thing i'm worried she won't be able to, to handle it over here because she you know lived in the family business all that time i'm just going to guess that employers and recruiters look at a resume like that and think they think that way right they look at your resume and go Oh boy, I don't know. Family business, only family business experience. Can she survive like in the real world outside of the family business? Yeah, I mean, I, I could see that. I guess I would say, you know, I worked for Ford Motor Company for five years, you know, before getting my MBA, before going into the family business. So I feel like I could at least personally say, hey, I worked mm -hmm. for Fortune 100 company yeah. for yeah. five years. I did extremely well. So I can operate in a, you know, different environment. And then for me, um, I, I felt like what I did at car engineering was my, my report card to society. And, and I was so proud, you know, cause it was record sales, record profits. 
And, you know, nice. I, I went out like Jerry Seinfeld, you know, I was at the top, top of the game. When I left. <laughs> um, I like so it. I feel like I had a really good story and then also um, great references. So, I mean, everyone who's worked with me, I mean, I, I, I don't say I batted a thousand, but most people that work with me, they want to work with me again. You know, yeah. I do a good job. Yeah. And so I, and, you know, Rochester's a small town. And so um, I had, I had amazing references. And so I, I personally felt very confident that I could do the job that I was a- applying for outside of, um, the, the family business, um, shadow, I guess. Yeah. Um, but for somebody yeah. who doesn't have that, you know, if you, if you just were riding the coattails of your dad, then you're going to be in trouble. Mm. Um, but, but a lot of times, you know, blood's thicker than water. And sometimes these, these uh, children, you know, they work harder than their parents ever did. You know, they feel like they got so much to prove. And, and so if you're, if you're in there and in, in a family business, you know, you're crushing it um, and you've got a good story and you've got great customers and references and you can say, Hey, I accomplished this, you know, then um, it should be fairly easy to transition. Yeah. Good. Very good. I do advise uh, any listeners young, if you're young and you're, um, getting ready to go to school, getting ready to go to college and your family owns a business. I do think it's a good idea when you get out of school, maybe after your bachelor's to to work somewhere else for a while and then, then maybe come back to the family business. It's very good to have that experience. Uh, It'll teach you some things. I think that's very valuable. So I love how you did that. And then you went on to get your, your master's at Pepperdine, by the way, which was awesome. Mm -hmm. Yeah, that was was a lot of fun. Uh, Two final questions for you. If you could call the young lady coming out of Penn State, she's graduating from Penn State. If you could call her and go back in time and tell her anything based on what you know now, what would you say? I thought about this question and I, I was, I was, I'm not really sure. Um, I mean, the biggest, the biggest anxiety I really had as a, as a young person, if I'm being totally honest, was more on like the personal side. So I was like, I, you know, I had a boyfriend in college and we broke up and, you know, I wanted to be, um, you know, in a, in a like committed relationship, but I, um, was having a hard time with that. So I guess I would tell like, you know, 21 year old Yvette or something like he's out there, you know, be patient, don't settle. Um, cause that, that can be hard you know, when you're building your career to, to sometimes feel like your personal life isn't as, um, you know, so Mm -hmm. I was worried I'd, I'd never fall in love. I'd never have kids. You know, I I worried about that kind of stuff more. Um, I always was pretty, uh, confident with my, you know, business skills, I guess. So I would say just, you know, good things happen to those who wait, you know, be patient, um, with everything, you know, keep your standards high, um, with business and, and life. Um, try to try to show good integrity. How about this last question? If you could put your core purpose in life into a sentence right now, what would that sound like for Yvette? Global cannabis destigmatization and normalization. Mm. All right. Very good. I think, well, we're definitely headed that direction. I, I really believe we are. It's, you know, it's, it's getting closer and closer. When do you think it'll go federal across the country? What, what do you, what's your, what's your, uh, I don't you know. know, maybe three to five years. 
I mean, I really, um, I look at this issue like almost exactly like gay marriage. I mean, like gay marriage used to be the biggest deal. And then there was like 10, 11 states that are like, okay, we're gay marriage. And mm-hmm. then it just, it just felt like dominoes because yep. society was just like, okay. And I, I think it's exactly the same. I okay. think it's just, yep. I think society's moved there. Um, I think the, the Republican party is starting to really see the, the tax benefits, you know, that's more of the business, the party of business, if you will. Mm-hmm. And so mm-hmm. they're seeing, um, I think, you know, good results and, and, and not a whole lot of detriment um, to the societies that have the, the states rather that have legalized. So I think three to five years tops, hopefully. I hope so too. And I'm, I'm very, you know, it really concerns me that, you know, in Colorado, you can have cannabis, but then if you, you know, you drive over to Kansas or, or a different state, you know, you can, you can get arrested and people are going to jail. People are going to jail a hundred miles away from each other, right? You, you live a hundred miles away from each other from state to state and you can, you can have cannabis. And then in another state, you can go to jail for something. I just think that is absurd. <laughs> I, I, I couldn't, I couldn't agree more. I mean, yeah, yeah I mean, that, that's, that's crazy. Really my, that's really that, my why, you know, that it's is like, crazy. It's yeah. no problem to walk in the grocery store and buy a six pack of beer, you know, at, 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 Sunday at, at 10 a.m. That's cool, you know, but but yep. just the so yes, I really think that um it just needs to be in a different category, you know, yep. just along with alcohol, yep. tobacco, coffee, Red Bull, Facebook, you know, they're all kind of things that can alter your consciousness or your feelings. <laughs> um, and they're just not uh, it's not in this in the right category, I feel. I always tell my kids, I'm like, you know, it's so funny, the two biggest drugs on the planet that affect people are sugar and caffeine. And, you know, those are just normal. <laughs> exactly. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, All that I think stuff. we should, I think we should also, I would also vote for, uh, you know, if it was, a, if it was a public vote, I would vote yes for releasing uh, anybody that's in jail for minor uh, possession of marijuana or whatever. If there's somebody sitting in jail for, for stuff like that, I mean, I would release all those people. Uh, I just think that's crazy yeah. that they're in there. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. And I know you had Scott Berman on um, in one of your other podcasts, and and um, I'm also a, a supporter of the Last Prisoner Project. Um, Very good. I was also that uh, in attendance at the event he referenced in Las Vegas, which was a big fundraiser for that. Great. Um, so that that is absolutely the the right correct issue, and they're doing a, a good job, at least you know bringing it to the attention of the public and. No, I couldn't agree with you more. I mean, even when I had my own, when I had car engineering and I did interview, um, you know, if, if somebody was convicted of a felon uh, and it was a nonviolent drug offense, I, as especially not being hypocritical, I mean, I didn't even consider that as a factor in, in gotcha. offering employment yeah. or not offering employment. So I was trying to at least live live that truth. Um, and we didn't have drug testing a car or anything. So I was at least trying to be somewhat consistent with, with my beliefs, but yeah. Yvette, awesome stuff. I really appreciate you sharing your story on the Rider Flex podcast. Thank you for being on. It was an honor to be here. Thank you for having me.